Wow! <laughs> right. Go Jack. <laughs> yeah, what was that? I don't think they heard you. Let's say that shit one more time. Thank you for listening to Go Jeff Yourself. This week, we are talking about Saturday Night Live, season 48. My name is Jeff, and I poop naked. All the time? Uh, No, no, not like not at work, but like, you know, you come home from work. It's been a long day. I'm either in like basketball shorts at home or just my boxers. And and you pull your pants down, but sometimes they're on your, your ankles. And like my new boxers are getting stretched out. So I was like, let me just, let me just take a foot out, you know? And then I'm like, why is my other foot still in here? Let me just take my other foot out. And then you just, you, you know, man spread and it's just so comfortable. I'm just like pork. Well, you so I'm rarely a get a chance to do it anymore, right? What was you that? You so rarely get a chance to, you so rarely get a chance to man spread anymore. I know. And for good reason. But also if you have a chance and you need, you need to air the boys out every once in a while, the, a perfect place to spread out is in the privacy of your bathroom. But hold on. I'm just going to, I kind of want to back up real quick because this is like a health thing and I'm not going to be the person to tell you how to live your life. But um, you should probably invest, if you're having like, you know, like wandering legs uh, in the bathroom, you should probably invest in something like a squatty potty. No, I also have bad knees. (laughs) So bending them up would probably hurt. I think I'm comfortable where I am just... Just man spreading in my own home because I can't do it in public anymore because the woke liberal media won't let me. Yeah, but that's a good thing though because like we just take up too much space. That's true. So uh, so it's I, just like it's like the size of American toilets. It's just like they're so big. It's like unnecessary. I don't know. Yeah, and and you're Ian. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, I'm Ian. And uh, I am uh, legally authorized to smoke marijuana in the state of Pennsylvania. Well, is it is it legal there for everybody or it, like do you need to be? For licensed? me it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, my empathy kind of stops uh, uh, where everyone else's begins. No, uh, I know uh, it is it is, it is uh, uh, medically legal. Okay. It's been medically legal yeah. in Connecticut for a while, but it is now legal for anybody over 21 and the first of the year, they just started opening up shops in Connecticut. Yeah. I think when they make it legal for everyone under 21 is where I'm going to draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> Babies walking around. Yeah. I just, joints, I'm like, like I'm going to go on records that I don't think baby should be smoking marijuana. I'm going to go no, on record as saying no, that they, they probably I don't do. think it's a bull take. Yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah. I believe Jeff, does your, Jeff, believe, does your baby smoke marijuana? Uh, no, she just does the hard stuff. Black tar heroin. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we started her off right. We're just skipping over yeah. all that, all that little pussy shit. Like we, well, you, you want, you want your kid to get to kindergarten and be advanced. You want them to have like uh, a basis, like, you know, yeah. like, you want them to already kind of like, yeah, you want them to hit the ground running is what I'm trying to say. Or <laughs> in, in their case, like kind of stumbling around and, and doing that kind of weird Tai Chi that they do. Yeah, nobody's gonna push her around. She's already she's already seen it all. <laughs> I feel like maybe this would be a good time to like start over when we're recording. I mean, we've already <laughs> we're about we're about four minutes in, and we've already talked about uh, baby drug usage. <laughs> I mean, I could cut it's, that out. We could just skip over that. No, part. I'm kidding. Um, I'm but, kidding. I'm kidding. It's fine. But yeah, I believe that. Like, see, it really makes me uh, feel bad that like. One of the times I went to California, I went to one of those shops and it's, it's just like a store, you know, there's some security reasons mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they check you out and all that shit. 
But like you're just in this store and you're just exchanging money in the open for these drugs and it's fine. And then you leave and everything's fine. Meanwhile, there are people in prison for their entire lives for doing less. Mm. Um, and it just feels bad. So the governor of Connecticut, I believe, um, pardoned or what's that word when it does like a blanket thing? Uh, I think it's as it. Oh man, I sound like this. No, the spot I sound so stupid. I think it's amnesty or something like that. Something or, like that. Yeah, I think um, anybody with yeah. nonviolent drug crimes is just like record clear. So that that feels good. Like if you're in a state where it's legal, and you have people in prison for it. It's not. Good. Oh yeah, to- obviously totally hypocritical that you, you right. know, that there's people in jail for that stuff. I think that like I think obviously you know when you talk about the the legal system in this country, I guess it's not a given that. That's going to happen immediately, although it just no. kind of feels like, well, yeah, but it feels like when you make, when you make these discussions about legalizing the stuff, it's like that should automatically, oh, well then, yeah, we should let all those people out of prison. No, duh. Right. Like that should right. just kind of come along with it. But obviously that's something that needs to be said. And then, um, and then you uh, when you're about just stuff. morally, you feel bad because some of the violent offenders, the only reason they were violent is because of the system that was put in place by making the things illegal. Um, not to say that it's, well, you, you know, violent offenders should be, I, out, but the reason why they're there is, is the government's fault, really. Yeah, I, I've known a couple of, uh, of, of drug dealers in my day, and none of them were ever like, I, I don't really care about the profit motive, I'm really here to do evil or sell drugs. <laughs> it's all about, you know, they, they needed money, they needed a way to make more money But faster. Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, uh, that's uh, that's up for so now that uh, I have a newborn, I am uh, I'm doing a lot of uh, uh, feeding, so I have to sit and do nothing. So I'm, I'm rewatching a lot of movies. And, oh yeah, uh, dude, like, and Black Dynamite's on Black Dynamite's on my rewatch list very shortly. So I'm, we I'm did to get to when it. when our baby was just a new one. We binged all of Sons of Anarchy because my my wife had never seen it. And then oh, okay. we watched like twenty seasons of MTV's The Challenge. <laughs> oh yeah, we talked about that. I think on a phone yeah. call. Yeah, you watched a whole bunch of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's like our shit. I mean, now I think we've seen like all of them. But uh, when thirty eight, when, when Liam was born, my couch time was um, Battlestar Galactica, the remake oh, of Battlestar yes. Galactica. Which I don't regret having spent that time, although I would not recommend anyone spends that time. Really? You don't right? like Battlestar Galactica? No, I liked it fine. It's just, I, I look, I think there could be too much of a good thing. And, and I don't want to open up a whole can of worms here or whatever, but this is one of the reasons I didn't finish Breaking Bad. Like, I fully admit it's a You've tremendous You've never show finished well. it, not even once? I, I got to the bottle episode and I was like, you know what? I'm done. And, oh, uh, dude, no, no. Yeah. You got it. You got it. No, 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 no. Hold on. No, hold on. Like I said, I didn't want to make it a whole thing. I'm not saying the show is bad or whatever. I understand. Like, I've had many people explain to me why it gets so good and how great the ending is. I've I've had the ending spoiled for me. I'm not trying to say that it is not worthy of my time, right? It's just that, like, after, the, like, the I don't know, 30 so hours much. or something, I'm like, I don't want to put in another 30 hours. Like, yeah, but it's just the, too much. The ending isn't so much a spoiler. Like, you can say what happens at the end and then still go on the journey because, like, you won't see yep. things that are happening. Breaking Bad was, like, the the only show where I was literally on the edge of my seat, like, holy shit, what's happening? How can they top this? And then they do every single week. 
So, so let me let me ask you this, um, because this is something I was thinking about the other day when I was talking about uh, The Last of Us, and and The Last of Us is a show that I, I I've never played the video game, uh, so I don't have any sort of emotional attachment to it, but I do like the show, even though I'm very I'm quite tired of like the zombie narrative, and I my favorite thing is right. when people go, it's not actually zombies, it's fucking. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's um, the whole thing with Walking Dead. It's about the humanity. Like, well, no, I yeah. get it. But I think that yeah, The Last of Us does better for that genre because the zombies are... It's it's different than just, like, you're generic, they're dead. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, but my point was this, is that I kind of feel like for a while people have been saying that we were in, like, a golden age of television or, like, a golden era of television. I feel like that ended a while ago. Uh, or a little while ago. Um, I just, I don't feel like TV really kind of has the same pop anymore. Um, and I don't really know when. And I, to be honest, I don't watch that much TV anymore where I, I might have a handle on it. I, de- I definitely think TV has changed, right? Because you see the rise of these shows like uh, Yellowstone and Tulsa King. And, and they, they seem uh, different. Than, than the shows that were kind of ruling the landscape, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like Breaking Bad and, and uh, um, I don't know, like True Blood and uh, Sons of Anarchy and things like that. Do, right? I mean, in, in some ways, do you agree with that? or do you I don't know, dude. I just, I finally finished Better Call Saul, which was, exceeded all of my expectations. It, it did prequel, sequel, like better than any other thing franchise i've ever seen like there was the penultimate episode of season five was some of the best television i've ever seen in my life and like that it's just so good like i don't know i i don't know if i agree with you and i also just going back to last of us um the episode i did with jimmy i don't know if you listened to it but we just recorded one episode after seeing the first episode and i was like okay yeah this show's good and the second episode was like yeah this show's good but every episode since has been fucking incredible like the last of us is such a good show it's the like one of the best shows i've seen in a year so um so i do i do like it as well i'll say this and and um this is like the opposite of damning something with faint praise it's it's like i'm i feel like the the concepts and what they're exploring in these episodes would be better suited as full three act movies and I think, you know, when a lot of people talk about, like, you know, I think the episode obviously that made the most hubbub so far is episode three. And uh, episode three is great. Um, and a lot of people have talked to me about how it extrapolated from the existing characters in the game and how wonderful that was or uh, uh, so on and so forth. I, I, again, I don't know anybody, any about that, but I love the idea where it was like uh, love blossoms in the times of apocalypse, right? It doesn't have to be like a... Um, what do they call them? Cytophages or whatever? But um, uh, it doesn't have to be them. It doesn't have to be zombies. But I just like the idea. But I feel like if, if this is a three-act movie, this is like an Oscar-caliber movie. And oh, yeah. As it is, it's a it's a great episode of TV. But ultimately, in the, the narrative, they are a footnote in in this story. Because the story is about Joel and Ellie. It's not is about it, these though? two characters. Or is well, it, no, I mean, or, or are they the, just okay, the well, catalyst to show yeah, you? Yeah, they're how humanity deals with everything when there's they're, nobody else. They're the thread through which all of these other narratives are weaved. And I mean, I agree that, that I think what the last of us does really well 
is is that it as you said before it takes that the human metaphor and and uh and gets more of a return for its investment right so it is about like how these people like like the the first episode is about like uh you know being being a, a parent uh i'm going like spoiler free like being a parent in uh in like during the apocalypse and like and uh uh, uh, the a, a relationship of love where it's not really spoken until the third act is the second episode and that's great. I and I haven't seen um, episode five yet or well, episode five, five but... was very good. But yeah, like I'm, I'm sure this, I'm you sure know, you know how you know how a lot of these shows these prestige shows as they call them have accompanying podcasts and they're always like listen to the podcast after the show and I'm like no thank you. Well this show I actually did and it's really good. Um, oh great. And the the creators in, in even Craig after Mason? the first after the first episode, what was that? Is it Craig Mazin who does the podcast? Um, it's Neil Druckmann who did the game. I forgot oh, the okay. guys, the HBO guy's name, um, but it's not that. And then it's the okay. the guy who did the voice for Joel in the video games is the host. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, yeah. Th- those three, and you know, they're like the Last of Us is a story about love. And you kind of get that at first, like, cause I played the game as far as where the first episode ended. So I didn't know anything going forward after that. And you're like, yeah, okay. It's, it's fatherly love. It's uh parental love in the first one. And then, like you said, in the third act, you find out it's about finding new love. And then the third episode is, you know, that's just one of the fucking greatest love stories I've seen on screen. Um, episode yeah. five is about, it's also, it just, everything is about love. And like, you know, you're following Joel and Ellie and then you get to Kansas city, which in the game, I guess was Pittsburgh, but you see how those humans adapted to what was going on. And it's real fucked up. You see it in some of episode four too. Um, so like, yeah, it's about Joel and Ellie and getting to a destination. Um, and the preview for, uh, tonight's episode is him meeting up with his brother, Tommy. So there's another type of bond there, but yeah, like it's not of it. And it's not about the zombies. It is about how humans deal with love in these situations. And this is a great oh, episode no. about SNL. We're recording right now. <laughs> yeah, no. And we, and like, yeah. And, um, but I, I do want to say this. My, my critique is not that it, the show is about zombies. My, my, my critique was that people try to tell me that the, the, the plant based, zombies are not zombies like they're not actually they zombies they're yeah they, they like, are no, they're it, fucked. They're, it's right. a it's, yeah. it's Quite, a refreshing take on zombies is how i see it it's um, a it's a it's a different way to roll hey instead of meat zombies they're what if meat zombies were plant zombies yeah that's that's the and only the, difference and, I, and again i think that is the it's one of those people that's like where's all the action because you go two episodes without seeing one um, or I think episode no, four, you don't see one. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then when episode five happens, spoilers, you see some. And she's like, I like this. And I was like, this is cool. Yes, I agree with you. But right. the rest of the show is incredible. Um, in the interest of in the interest of, of capping off uh, the uh, last of us, talk, I'll, I'll, I'll say this in agreement with you. Um, I was watching a movie that I actually found the beginning of quite interesting uh, it was a day shift with Jamie Foxx. Uh, they advertise it as Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg, but Snoop Dogg's in it for like 15 minutes. I've never seen it. Um, yeah, it's it's like a Netflix original. It's like a vampire uh, uh, movie. And I, I put it on at work because I was bored. And there's an opening action scene that's that's actually quite good. And then they get into this neat little, like, kind of, 
this neat little variation of like vampire lore and it's like you know you you can you can sell the teeth of the vampire and you can judge the age and rarity of the bloodline by the type of teeth this is really neat stuff and i was like oh this is really interesting and then like it just devolved into like these over long action scenes and i'm like I, I found myself going like i would like this movie if there was more plot and less action and i'm like who have i become like, I'm like, like, what kind of kind of old man am I where I'm like, I don't like all this action in my action movies. I want more plot. Like, I want more character development, less gun shooting. Like, God damn, I got old quick. It's it's hard to balance. But yeah, certain every movie's for somebody, Ian. Well, I yeah, I do. I think I like a, I like a wide range. Like, I'm a big fan of like the raid uh, and the yeah, raid two. Sure. So it's like I like movies that are just action for the sake of action. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate when a good premise is wasted on like. 35-minute uh, action scenes. Anyway, speaking Sat- of action Saturday movies and, and TV night- drama. <laughs> Saturday Night Live, season 48. Um, we wanted to talk about the current season since pretty much it premiered, but we've been busy with life, and we're about halfway through, maybe more than halfway through. But I think that in order to talk about uh, the current season, we need to talk about our history and relationship with Saturday Night Live. Um, mm. So, Ian... How did you first get into SNL and what has been your love story with the show ever since? Um, my my father worked middles, so he would work like a four to midnight shift, um, which meant like that during the summer and on weekends, um, you know, I would stay up and wait for him to come home and we would get a little time together before I would go to bed. So it was just that, like, uh, I grew up watching uh, David Letterman when David Letterman was on at 12.30 instead of 11.30. And, you know, obviously before he was on Netflix. And um, and and that kind of just carried over into, like, <clears throat> the, um, the late night uh, stand-up boom of the late 80s and early 90s with, like, Comic Strip Live and the A-List and all those things. And, of course, like, Saturday Night Live was a part of that because it was on around that time. And, uh, I, I came, uh, on board with Saturday Night Live. I, I, I believe like, uh, early nineties, um, my cast was, uh, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, uh, Jan Hooks, um, uh, Victoria Jackson, John Lovitz, uh, that crew of people. And like, uh, Mike Myers was like the new young guy added to the cast. Um, I remember that like being like one of the first developments that I remember seeing on Saturday Night Live. Um, how about you? What was your uh, what was your first cast? How did you come up, how did you come on board? First cast was pretty much the same in the early '90s, like '91 to '92. Um, I remember discovering Comedy Central because I had a mm. UHF TV in my bedroom, and it got like 13 channels or whatever it was. And for some reason, Comedy Central was one of them. I don't understand how it worked because we had cable downstairs, but not like in my bedroom. And I was like seven at the time, six or seven, and I remember. Um, discovering kids in the hall. I talked about this on my last podcast, talked me into, we did a kids in the hall episode, but there was a skit where they were in an office, all dressed like ladies and they had piercings and they were like pulling their piercings out and blood was spurting out of their ears and nose and all this stuff. And I was like, this is very funny. I'm seven years old. So then I got hooked <laughs> to comedy central. Um, and at that time they were playing reruns of seasons that were a couple years old at the time. So late eighties, early nineties. And you know, John Lovitz, Kevin Nealon, pretty much the cast that you said was the cast right. that was on. Cause I'm not staying up till 1am at seven years old. I didn't know it was on that late. I was just watching. And ever since then, I've just loved it. I, there was a time when they stopped showing reruns. 
Um, but I always saw it somehow. I mean, without the internet, you, you just like, I, they, they do clips on shows or whatever. And then they started playing it again in like the mid to late nineties, again, a couple seasons earlier. Um, and then when I was old enough to stay up, like I remember my first, one of my first jobs, I was working at Subway and on Saturdays we closed at like 11, then you have to clean up and then drive a half hour home. I told him, I was like, I'm not closing on Saturdays cause I got to get home. <laughs> cause like I didn't have TiVo or anything. And I, I, you know, I was living with my grandparents. They didn't know how to use a VCR to record it with me for me. So I would just like go home, watch it then. And I, I, I've always watched it since then but yeah that was my first season that was my introduction and it's crazy how much current events and politics i learned directly from saturday night live like oh, so you were indoctrinated by saturday night live, yes exactly the the woke leftists uh coastal cuck liberals hot yeah. button words yeah <laughs> so, um, well so so you you, you kind of unlock something, though, because I, I remember also, and I'm not sure which one came first, but I also had that uh, that small, like, 13-inch TV, you know, in my room. Not, I mean, not yours. I had my own. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That's and, where it and went. I remember, I remember Nick at Night. Nick at Night would show, um, they had an hour block, and it was a half an hour of uh, original, like, I think first two or three seasons of Saturday Night Live. It would be like a clip show. And then they would have a half an hour of SCTV. And I like remember that like I knew there were only so many episodes of the SNL clip show because I'd seen them all. Like I knew all the bits by heart, like uh, John Belushi's uh, chocolate donut cereal and uh, the, uh, Bassomatic and all that stuff. Um, and then I also remember that I knew most of the <laughs> I knew most of the SCTV episodes. I would watch SCTV until they did the opening credits, and if Martin Short wasn't in the cast, I wouldn't watch the episode. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I've seen it. I'd seen it. Yeah, I remember seeing reruns of that too. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that came first, and that kind of like kind of led me gently into like being aware of it on Saturday nights, or if I had watched it Saturday nights and then the clip show started after that. I'm really not sure of the timeline. But um, but it was one of those two things. But again, it's always been around, and I've always and I say this a lot, but I've always kind of watched it the way uh, a lot of people watch baseball, right? Like I'm concerned how the team is doing, like what kind right, of year yeah. is it? Who are the who are the veterans that are going to be leaving? Who how is the new crop of people doing? Um, and um, I don't know. Like I think um, what I mean overall, what are your thoughts on on the season so far? Do you think this is a uh, a good season, a bad season, a treading water season, like? I well, know they've so, called it a rebuilding season, but so I the the crazy part is like as I said I've I've watched every single episode of SNL from like the early '90s to now, and I've seen a, a ton from before. I've probably seen you know most most episodes that exist, um, but for some reason, like once the COVID episodes happened, I was like, okay, they're doing what they got to do. Some of it's pretty interesting the way that they're doing this, and then they came back for season 46 and I watched most of that. Uh, I wasn't like as on top of it. And I think I missed the last few episodes. And for some reason it just started to fall flat for me season 46 and 47. And I was like, am I that guy that goes online? And it's like this season used to be, it, this cast was better, but I've never been one of those people. Cause people uh, you and I have talked about it. Like, for some reason, whenever you find SNL, like that's your cast and you think that no cast can be better since. Yep. Right. Like that seems to be yeah, the yeah, consensus. Yeah. yeah. And I don't agree with that. I think that there have been many great casts since I started watching, but it's just, everything's kind of falling flat. And I don't know if it's because it, it feels like it's missing something. Like 
there's a couple recurring characters, but not many. None that you would know by name. Like one of the recurring skits that always gets me is the one where Kate McKinnon is like this smoking lady and she's being interviewed with three other Uh people where something fantastical happened. Like she gets abducted by aliens or like Bigfoot comes and those skits are always so funny, but what the fuck's her name? Listen to me. Try to explain it now. Like, (laughs) you know, there's not, there's nothing defining whereas you can go back in the past. Like I have a trivial pursuit SNL from the late nineties and the pieces are characters and all of those characters, they have names and you've seen them and you know what they're, you know, they're skits. There's, and you know, there's some on Weekend Update, but there's just seems to be something that's like, it doesn't feel like SNL. It just feels like, okay, these, these skits were kind of funny. Not to say that the show hasn't been funny, but I think the last few seasons have been, Weekend Update has been the strongest point for almost every single episode. Um, oh my and, God. I've always loved Weekend Update, but I wouldn't say that's true for seasons past. But this season, there has been like a, a rebuilding. You know, there's like eight people that left and some of them overstayed their welcome. Um, I would say Pete Davidson should have been gone. Like, after wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going too far ahead because you're giving me too much stuff to respond uh, I'm to. Sorry, I have to go I'm back. Sorry. Respond. I have to go back. I have to go back to. I have to go back to the characters thing because I. I wanted to say like, it's so crazy to me to hear you say that because <clears throat> that is something that I had not contemplated at all. It 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 is a concept that has never factored into my uh, conceptualization of Saturday Night Live. Like recurring characters. I'm not. I'm not trying to say like. That it's it's not worthy. I just it's something I never thought of. But you're you're absolutely right. Like they've gone from a model where they had like Lorne Michaels. Literally, the pipeline was: you come up with a reoccurring character on Saturday Night Live. It's a hit. Then we make a movie out of it. Right. right? It's like when, what you know, was the last uh, SNL movie? McGruber. And what was that? Yeah, Ten well, years ago. And what was okay, before so, that? Ho- Who fucking remembers? But, <laughs> okay, but so hold on. So so I'm not sure if you and I have had this conversation specifically, right? But uh, this is one of the things uh, when we, uh, and sorry for getting political, but one of the things we talk about like why right-wing comedy is not as prevalent uh, or not as effective as left-wing comedy, right? And it's because comedy is progressive, right? And when people say like, um, yes. well, you couldn't make a movie like Blazing Saddles today, and it's like, yeah, no shit. Like, that, like that's not because we're too sensitive now. It's because like the spiciest fucking jokes in Blazing Saddles were about a white lady having sex with a black guy. And it's like, that shit ain't spicy anymore, man. Right? Like, that's not, like, a hot fucking joke. So, like, that's why that's not funny as funny anymore. So, comedy moves forward. And and not to, to you know, Saturday Live has always been, you know, on a progressive slant, but also the way that comedy, I think, is delivered and the way we consume comedy is progressive as well. Because, like... Um, and getting back to what you were saying, like they used to do clip shows on Comedy Central and Nick at Night all the time of Saturday Night Live. Where do those things exist anymore? They don't. Well, the right? internet like, changed almost... that drastically. Well, of course, yeah. But even a place on the internet where like you think Saturday Night Live would do great, like, hey, we have all these sketch- sketches. Like no one really goes to Saturday Night Live to watch Will Ferrell sketches or whatever. Or like or like old, uh, you know, uh, Phil Hartman. I mean, like, well, I do. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's not... That's not like a thing that people do. So so the sketches have almost become ephemeral at this point where it's just like, yeah, like we throw them on and they 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 do well on the episode on our streaming platform and on cable. And then the sketch, the, ske- the sketches get like hits on YouTube for the next couple of weeks and then they're gone. 
And it's like maybe, and, and I'm not saying it's it's a, a good thing or a bad thing that they don't do recurring characters. It might just not be a viable thing anymore, right? If that's, like, even if I that's think it's true, fascinating. No, I, I agree with you, but if that's true, think about Lonely Island. Okay, Lonely Island had some recurring characters, but just as a whole, the digital shorts was a recurring type of thing that they, that was like their last meme. And I, well, I they still do that now. Not, yeah, they're getting back to that. But what I mean by meme is not like the, like, here's a funny picture that people will see a lot. I mean, meme as in like, yeah. it's permeated culture. Um, right. Yeah. The Lonely since, Island produced stuff like I'm on a boat and I'm on a boat was like, like right. played in clubs in Las Vegas seriously. So it's like Saturday Night Live had that kind of cultural impact where, yeah, it was, it was, it's not, you're right. I, it's not relevant in that form anymore. Right. And and there was, a, there was a long period during the Trump years where their relevance was having Alec Baldwin be Trump or having which is more famous celebrities be politicians which they've which always done they've always done politics so I'm not going to say yeah. they're only politic now and they're only bashing uh, conservatives because that's not true um, but that was like that was their way to stay relevant now you don't have that and there's none of these I... recurring characters there's none of these culturally like permeating skits or anything like that. So I'll, I'll say this though. I, I think that um, my, my take on the season is, is that, and again, not having really thought about it in those terms of like the, um, the, the lastingness of it, right? Like, like how, how, uh, how memorable are the, the characters of the sketches or, or how well does it permeate culture? Kind of just taking on its face. I, I feel like it's been a good season. And I will say this. I feel like, the problem for me with Saturday Night Live during the Trump years was just that it, it it at a certain point it just becomes impossible to make this stuff funny because right. everything gets so, it's so grim fucking depressing. Ev- well, but it's also but like okay, look, so like I mean, and obviously like there's you know there's no way I can understate the amount of uh, damage that uh, you know a, a figure like Trump has done to this country, right? But like when he when he dropped that NFT commercial. That's funnier than any sketch Alec Baldwin ever did about Trump. Like that it's is so just funny. that is just the like and I mean like I, and grift, I know that he's not doing grift, it to be, dude. You can't take the grift out of the yeah. Grifter. No, I mean it's it's literally like I it's like that commercial. Hopefully, a favorite president. It's the funniest thing. And honestly, like now now that he's out of the limelight and they have um uh uh I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but we have a dossier. Um uh, uh what's his name? Uh, Brian, James Austin Johnson. Now that we have James oh, yeah. Austin Johnson doing Trump, I think James Austin Johnson's impersonation of Trump is great because I think it it's not it's not trying to be exact and it's it's not it's not trying to make him seem more oafish. It just it's trying it, it does a very good job. Like when he called when he said that Ron DeSantis looks like a Roblox and whatever saying, like I lost it. I'm like that's like one of the funniest things that uh, someone portraying Trump has ever said, right? Because it's like yeah. it's not he would never make a joke that culturally relevant, but it is something out of left field that Trump would say, and it just seems like he's nailed the impersonation. And now that like he doesn't have to be the focus of every sketch, and we don't have to wait to see what the SNL crew is going to say about what fucking dumb thing he said this week. It just seems like it's a better place to be for the Trump impersonation now. Yeah. Overall, though, I do think that the season has been funny. I haven't seen every episode. I talked to you off stage. So here's how I've been watching SNL uh, over the past, let's say, 20 years. So at first I would come home from work and I would watch it. Just sit down and watch it from 1130 
to 1 a.m. Um, and then when it started streaming on Hulu the next day in the late 2000s, that's mm-hmm. how I've been watching it for about 10 years, right? Yep, so I remember thing. one time you and I had a conversation like 10 years ago. Uh, Kevin Hart hosted the episode and I, I watched it live. And there was a skit where they, they were sitting on a couch and there was a mechanism that like pulled a couch through a wall, right? And that was the ongoing joke. It's a very simple concept. It was just physical gag humor. And live at one point, the couch didn't go back. And like Kevin Hart realized it was supposed to go back and he like caught it real quick. He, he like just, everybody's like breaking character and kind of laughing, but he just kept going. And it was a really great moment because it's super funny, but he like just, he knew it was live and he did a great job in that moment. And I was talking to you the next day about that episode or two days later. And you were like, what are you talking about? And on Hulu, that didn't happen. Oh, yeah. They they had put from rehearsal, they edited it in where the skit went fine. And I know Lorne Michaels is like, he's he 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 wants SNL history to be how he wants it, right? Like, he's not going to put right. out the episode with uh, Damon Wayans where he fucks up. He's not going to put out the episode with Sinead O'Connor where she burns the Pope picture. You could find that stuff, but it's not official. Yeah. Um, so he the, fixes um, stuff like the, that. Yeah, the Steven Seagal episode is, I don't think, on... In like I think in the in the uh, right right I don't think they have that one available either. So so when that um, happened, I was like, oh man, I got I I wish I could watch this live. But recently they took it off Hulu and they moved to Peacock. Now I have my through my internet, I have Peacock for free. But they don't just give you a login; they give you a second physical device that only streams Peacock. And I'm like, this is very stupid. And I already have like a Roku that I could just use any app and the device just doesn't work. So I don't have Peacock. So either I torrent it, which you're not supposed to do. You have a, let me get this straight. You have a physical device in your house specifically for streaming, for specifically for streaming Peacock. And you have to torrent your episodes of Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Dude, that's capitalism's awesome, dude. It's so (laughs) Everything works great. What could you possibly be upset about if you lived in this country? But that's like that's like a pain in the ass. Even the shit that's supposed to be like, oh my god. So this season, what I so that's another reason why I didn't watch a lot of last season too. So this season, I just go on YouTube and they have all of the skits like in a row. I think they cut out like a little bit of stuff. They trim it like Lauren Michaels does. But most of the season, I've just watched in YouTube playlists. Just like, oh, here's yesterday's episode. Let me watch this. Well, um, that, so is, that-, that is the, that's the nice thing about about having it digital, though, because you can't just go through it. Like, it's really nice on the Peacock app. Like, I was I was kind of catching up on some episodes today on my iPad, and just being able to like scrub through and see when yeah, the sketch yeah. changes is just really great to like. Um, because again, like, there is something to watching it live, but like, you know, I'll say this at the end of the day, like, I'm just I'm trying to get to the sketches. I'm trying to get right. to the sketches and and not to be a dick. More often than not, skip over the musical performance. All right, I'm going to go through the musical uh, acts right now because. Um, oh, I would actually I, like to talk I, about that because yeah. I mostly skip over them. <laughs> so do I, but yep. I do want to talk about them this week. So do you want to do you want to just start with episodes? Do you want to go through the cast real quick, or yeah, let's talk about the cast because I mentioned. That? Let's talk about the leaving cast members because this was a big year for uh, members leaving. Right. So we it's got, um, let's, let's just list through them and then we can talk about them. Um, so the members that left um, before the season started, A.D. Bryant, Pete Davidson, Kate McKinnon, Kyle Mooney. And then right before the season started, 
we find out that Alex Moffat, Chris Red, Melissa Villasenor, and Aristotle Athari left. And then after the season started, Cecily Strong uh, left like halfway through the season. So that's so, that's a lot of people. That's you know <clears throat> some heavy hitters. So I I know you mentioned already you 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 have no love for Pete Davidson. I I think Pete Davidson. Uh, I'm rooting for Pete Davidson. I think he's going to find his. Uh, I think he's going to find whatever works for him. And I liked a lot of the stuff that he did. Although I agree, I don't think he's a great fit for Saturday Night Live. Right. I I weekend- loved him when he started. Right. He was super young. Mm-hmm. Like Eddie Murphy was 19 when he was yeah. on SNL. Right. He had a he had a new take. Um, he, he was just himself on Weekend Update, which was just him doing stand up, and it was funny. Um, and you know, he had some troubles in his life, which I'm glad that he has overcome and hopefully he does well personally. And I think that part of the reason why I don't like him is because I saw him live. Uh, oh yeah. He sucks live. Okay. So he at that time he had recently done a show with John Mulaney and like somebody else. And he built this show at a venue down the road from where I lived, could literally walk there. And it was Pete Davidson and friends and me and Dan, we were like, yo, this friend might be John Mulaney. They just played a show in New York. Like, let's fucking go, dude. And I have I had a really uh, bad arthritis outbreak in my knee. So I'm on crutches and we go to this place and it was just like his pothead friends. Nobody else was there. And he had just broken up with Ariana Grande there. So his entire act was just shitting on her. Um, And it was all like you know, 21 year old girls gawking over him. And it was one of the worst comedy shows I've ever fucking been to. Um, But like he does, he did characters fine. Um, Like, like Chad, right? That's a character. Oh yeah, he did the, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. Every time he showed up, it was just funny. Um, And he was a good, he was a good, he was a good transition out of the Lonely Island because the loss of them leaving was huge. And he kind of came in and did some of those musical bits and stuff like that and, and had that kind of aesthetic. So that worked. Yeah, um, I loved A.D. Bryant. I thought A.D. Bryant is, was, was great. Uh, obviously, Kate McKinnon, top-notch. One Kyle of the greatest. Mooney. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle one of the greatest, Mooney, obviously. Kyle Mooney was done real fucking dirty, I think. I don't know this for a fact, but he every single time I saw him, he was underused. Like, he has so much potential. Like, his shit before SNL, like his YouTube stuff, which is his weirder stuff, like kind of his pre-recorded bits on SNL. Yeah. I just feel like in the 90s, this dude would have flourished on SNL. His, his, uh, his, uh, the, the ongoing joke that he and Leslie Jones were in a relationship <laughs> together, I thought so was one of the, great. like, really funny. Yeah, I do feel, I feel like he's more of a Mr. Show kind of guy, right? Like, he's a little yep. too, um, uh, but, uh, but again, I, oh, I bo- love. Bo- like, Bob Odenkirk was a writer on SNL in the 90s, so that just proves mm-hmm. my point. Yeah. Well, I think they've replaced Kyle Mooney with somebody, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yes. Um, uh, so then, um, you know, uh, Alex Moffat leaving. Um, I, I, to be honest, I don't have anything bad to say about Alex Moffat. I thought he was really good. He played one of the Trump kids really well. I, I feel like, I feel like he and Mikey Day are kind of interchangeable in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I kind of I, and, and and they can't they came not, in together too. And you know. Yeah. I think and that, I. And I don't mean to slight anybody or whatever. You know, they're all super talented. I really do. I do miss the departure of Chris Red. I really do feel like Chris Red was underused a lot. Um, he was one of my favorite parts of the uh, Lonely Island movie. Um, and I, I also feel the same way about Melissa Villasenor. Um, she got to do a couple of really great bits when uh, uh, Selena Gomez hosted. And I thought 
She is I think she's one of one of the best impressionists on the show in a very long true. time. Yeah, yeah. And but I will say this, I think um uh besides Kate McKinnon, I think my number one the number one departure I'm upset about is Aristotle Atari. Um, every single bit I saw that guy do just fucking destroyed me. Uh, when he did the the robot stand up, I was like, that was brilliant. Uh, yeah, because he was I only thought, on for he was only on for a season, and that was a I, really good character. I don't I don't know. Well, yeah, and he also did the um, uh, uh, the the um, the uh, uh, musical artist who uh, he doesn't speak English. Say for me, please. Oh yeah, uh, and and like I love those bits, and he was so. And I know people say this all the time, or whatever. But he was in a way very kind of Kaufman esque, right? Like just these bits that like it kind of seems like only he gets. Um, I really hope that dude gets picked up, or I get to see more of him because I really really enjoyed that guy. I thought right, he was really yeah. good. And also, like, what a fucking killer name! Your name is Aristotle Atari. Like, <laughs> you win, you win the name game, man. That's like you get a comic book name in real life or whatever. Um, so yeah, so uh, uh, well, since we're actually not going to talk about, I'll, I'll go back to this Kyle Mooney. I feel since we're not going to talk about her because she, uh, directly because she's not a new a new member, but I think uh, the new Kyle Mooney is Sarah Sherman. Yeah, I agree with you, and I I haven't seen much of her except this season. She did a bit on Weekend Update that was mind blowingly good. Like it oh, was uh, very funny. Which one was it? When she took over as host of Weekend Update? Yes. Her um, her trolling her trolling Colin Yost is probably like the best stuff she's done. Although like did you see the um did you see the bit with um uh uh um uh, Michael B Jordan where uh she's a uh, she's a food correspondent? I did see that episode, but I don't remember that skit. She's, uh, they're welcoming her back to the show after her ordeal where she was, uh, stuck on a roller coaster going 150 miles an hour for 19 hours. <laughs> and they have her with like, her mouth is like, like extended. She has like that thing in her mouth that makes it look like it's held open. It's and like, she's pouring soup into it and shit. It's really funny. The, I was talking about the, her skit was called Sarah news and it was, yeah, Sarah just, news is great. It was so good, but she also did that surreal skit with her eyeballs. Yep, yeah, that one like, was really good too. I'm taking my coat, and she pulls the curtain off the wall. It's just she is. I absolutely <laughs> adore her. I think she is so fucking funny. Um, yeah, yeah, and then uh, there was she, a, a please don't destroy skit where her her real dad shows. <laughs> yeah, she plays the girlfriend. Oh my god! All right, so let's all right let's let's get into it. Let's let's start with the let's let's start with the, the cast that's here. Let's uh, uh, and. Um, and we'll talk about the new uh, the new members and all that stuff. But we have obviously Michael Che is returning, Colin Yost, uh, Michael Che and Colin Jost are officially the longest hosts of Saturday or of Weekend Update. How much longer? I think they beat out Seth by a year. I think they're at eight years. Which sounds how much longer crazy. do you how much longer do you think they'll go? How much longer do you want them to go? Um, I I think that they are a great pair. I think separately, if they were just hosting by themselves, they wouldn't have lasted this long. But I think nope. that they play off of each other very well. Agreed. And um, I wouldn't mind seeing them just for as long as as long as the quality maintains. Like if they start, you know, dipping, then obviously I want to see them go. But I wouldn't mind if this was the setup for a while. And Weekend Update to me was always something that like was moving forward. You get a few years of somebody great. Who's next? 
Who's going to be the next host? And I don't, I never think that now, um, especially after yeah. seeing Cecily Strong. Cause I was like, Oh, I love Cecily Strong. She'll be a great host. And she was awful um, at weekend yeah. update. Um, and I didn't yeah. like Colin Jost at first either because I didn't, he didn't have Che to bounce off of. Um, yeah. Cause his, his act was the same, but he didn't have that other person where one of them's the straight man. And one of them is the punchline, uh, which they alternate between. And I think they do it well. Yeah, that's um, I, I think that's that's the, uh, the the chemistry almost outweighs the jokes in a lot of ways, and and obviously I think one of the funniest things they do is where they write jokes for each other. Right, and the the I year. mean the the jokes are great. Like Colin Jost yeah. is the head writer, so I mean he's doing a great job. But like, I I laugh the hardest at Weekend Update when I'm watching yeah, I, an episode. I look forward to Weekend Update, and I will say this: as I was trying to like scrub through the shows, I made it a point to skip Weekend Update because. You know, I feel like I was going through the shows trying to like remember like the the strongest sketches and and ranking the hosts because well, while, you know, while we're is, there, while we're there, who's who's your host? Who's your weekend update host? Of all of all time or of all time? I, I listen to be honest. Um, I, I, I maybe it's maybe it's a matter of maybe it's a matter of it just kind of again like comedy being progressive. I I think that Shay and and Yost are the best. But like that's because I started with like Dennis Miller, right? Yeah, and true. it's like I'm not gonna um, go to bad for Dennis Miller now in 2023. But he was I, he was good because he was like kind of intellectual at the time, and you know. But um, I can agree I feel, with you that they are definitely some of the best. Myers and Polar who's, who's are very good. Favorite? Faye and Polar are very good. And sorry, who's your favorite? Oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, who's my favorite? I honestly, I honestly, man, I, I don't know if I can give you an answer. I know, I know you're dying to uh, say Norm Macdonald. <laughs> I would, yeah, tied for number one for me, Norm Macdonald and Kevin Nealon. I think that they were absolutely fucking great for what they which did. Which is, which is really funny because um, I think uh, those are probably among my least favorite. Really? Kevin Nealon, Kevin Nealon, I think was great because of his ability to deadpan. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, he just, he, he um, he flubbed too many of his lines, and that's that's a, a problem that a lot of cast members have. Had. We the, uh, aforementioned Leslie Jones, tremendously funny, but has a habit of went on like went on live oh, TV, yeah, like, Dude, like, stuttering and stumbling and stuff she, like that. She's and, one of my least favorite favorite cast members, but she's also extremely funny. Like on Weekend yeah. Update, I was dying because she was just doing right. her act, but in a skit mm-hmm. when she would come on screen, I'd just cringe. But, yeah, um, it's it, it's like well, that's what I think one of the interesting things about Saturday Night Live too is is like how again like I think Pete Davidson is a perfect example. Like I understand Pete Davidson is funny, and when Pete Davidson does certain things on Saturday Night Live, he's funny. But I'm not ever going to say Pete Davidson is like one of like a good cat. You know what I mean? It's just it's well, um, yeah. Like dude, look at look at Robert De Niro, one of the greatest actors ever. Nah, I, I was would just say. gonna say that, and he right, when and he's like, on SNL, he is the worst host or special guest ever. He just he, st- right. he reads the you could see him reading. He flubs every <laughs> he, he's stares at the, he stares at the cue card for a full second before he reads it. <laughs> like, <laughs> so but, but but then but also in some weird way, I know people that like when he's on because they like how he breaks everything and how to, and it, and it's like so even that it, it way, looks like he's funny. not having fun. Like it looks like he just hates <laughs> being like, there when he hosts like he a full loses. episode. He's like. All right, this is over. We're going home. Bye. I'm Bobby De Niro. 
He like he loses a, a a regatta race to Lauren Michaels or something, and it's like he owes him one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he doesn't want to pay. Him. He's like, all right, I'll be on the fucking show, and he's like, good news, everybody, we've got Robert De Niro again. All right, let's um, let's keep going. Uh, Mike, all right, Gay, so we we talked about him. He's fine. I think he he does what he's supposed to do. I don't think he's yep. super funny, but he's serviceable. He is he is a utility player. Uh, you know, uh, and he is, you know, not, uh, you know, obviously among the greats like Phil Hartman, but yeah, he's, he's perfectly serviceable. He's, he's, um, he's, <laughs> he's just, he's, he's on that border between handsome and, and super weird looking. So he can play like a, he can play a confident dude, but he can also play a real weirdo. Uh, so that works. And what do you think about Andrew Dismukes? I Underwhelming. I don't think yeah. he... I don't know what he's capable of because I don't think they've ever given him an opportunity to do anything. Yeah. There was like maybe one or two skits where he gets a little wacky, but forgettable because I can't remember them right now. I, I think that in the past couple of years, uh, Chloe Fineman and Heidi Gardner have kind of raised their profile. I've, I've They're almost, really good. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kind of uh, mirroring my like first cast. It, I get a very good Jan hooks, Nora Dunn vibe where it's like, uh, wow. They're, I agree with no, you. Yes. Yeah, there there is strong presence, and it also kind of seems like they 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 there's a synergy there between them or whatever. Um, uh, that kind of eliminates them from being like uh, a redundancy. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know, um, uh, Punky Johnson. What do you think about Punky Johnson? I think she's there again. She's just like, I mean, this is a, this is a bloated cast. There's eleven rep players and six featured players. There's seventeen people in this cast. And I don't think she brings much to the table. Well, 16 because uh, Cecily Strong. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think, Co- Colin I think Punk- and Michael don't do anything. Right. Else, yeah, yeah. But. Well, I think Punky Johnson is, 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 uh, is because like, I, so this is the deal. It's the same thing. Like if you put, uh, uh, Punky Johnson and Bo and Yang as kind of like, uh, the same kind of like, like, uh, start dates. Right. Which I'm, I'm not sure if they're exact. I think maybe he may have a couple months. Under pretty close. Yeah. I think she right, came in mid season or something. Right, where it, it it Bo and Yang, it just feels like he hit the ground. Like I immediately within a couple of weeks was just like I get it. I know how to get sketches on. I know where I'm writing from. I know who to collaborate with. And it feels like Punky Johnson was kind of at the edges a little bit more. But the more I see Punky Johnson, the better she fits in. Like uh, I'm I'm starting to really get excited now when I see her. And it's also I think one of the things is. I notice her when she's not the focal point of the sketch, her reactions like on the sideline and stuff like her, her work, like uh, when she's not the person speaking, her reactions are really good. And she keeps like the, the scenes going. I think she's really good. Um, I think, um, uh, but again, I think kind of like in a Dismukes kind of way, it's like, I just, I want to see, I want to see her get more bits on. I feel like a lot of the bits that I'm seeing is like, she's in other people's stuff. I don't know what the breakdown is. Right. But um but like, I want to see more. I also think Ego Nuotum is like, again, like, like Heidi Gardner and Puggy and uh, Chloe Feynman really just kind of stepped up. Like she's just like in really funny in a lot of the bits. Um, and there's just a lot more stuff for her to do. I think now she's very funny. I've heard her mm-hmm. on comedy bang bang a few times and she's, she's great. And I'm glad that she has, well, now she has more. She, she's one of the elder members now. She's been on for quite a while, you know, several. Yeah, seasons. she really has. Yeah. Yeah, she just did a bit uh, with Pedro Pascal where they where she was cutting the well done steak at the table. That, that one was one of those. Was... So that I heard about that before I saw it. I watched that episode the day after, and everybody's like, "This is the funniest thing ever." And I watched it, and I was like, 
it's pretty funny. Like, it's yeah, okay. I laughed at it, but it yeah. wasn't like as funny as I think people think it is. Well, if someone hyped it up to me, I would I would be disappointed. It was that's what I'm saying. Right. Well, it's one of those bits that goes on after the like after the second musical guest uh, after the second musical guest appearance where it's like okay like this could go either way we're not sure about it so we're going to put it at the end and it was kind of like a it was a broken bit it it was like fucked up and people were like breaking character and stuff but that's why it was funny but it wasn't like right. you know but but it, it was it was ego nordum's ability to kind of like keep it straight Right. And like and, and and seem angry through the whole bit that I thought was really good. Yeah. And like, I don't this is this is one of the first seasons with a new director, if not the first season. Right. Because the, okay. the the guy who was directing since the start of the show retired. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I noticed that like when Bo and Yang, he's a background. Well, he was like to the far left of the screen. I feel like they were cutting away from the people breaking character when that should have been what they were focusing on because yeah, the maybe actual tr- joke itself, like it wasn't that strong, but they were kind of staying and like they would, they like subtly moved the camera away. Like they would, characters would start to crack. The actors would start to crack and then they'd move the camera away. Yeah. Um, if that's, if that's I, what they're doing, I, I that's, a, that's a bad move. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. If there's a mistake, if there's like you know, there's if it's a, Jimmy a Fallon cut away from the them. screen, if if somebody is walking where they're not supposed to be, sure, move the camera. But if this is happening, catch the magic. Yeah, that's what we want. That's we you know when when stuff breaks, that's why we. And I know Lauren doesn't like it, but um, <clears throat> Cecily Strong, obviously, R.I.P. the goat, one of the best female cast members of all time. Uh, longest uh, during female. her first season, I tweeted at her and she replied, and that's my no. lame claim to fame. Oh, don't remember hashtag, what it said hashtag lane claim to fame uh yeah yeah one of the best female cast members of all time i mean up there gilda radner um obviously um uh, uh ellen cleghorn uh no <laughs> <I'm trying> to, <laughs> i almost um, just farted i laughed so hard <laughs> um, but bowen yang bowen yang uh i think is uh is is uh, tremendous obviously keenan thompson keenan thompson i think is an android he will be there until he dies i, I would i'm totally fine with that i I have no problem i'm so tired of him because he's he's been on the long he's been on 20 years i know but like but every all right but but going back to your thing like we know we don't we don't get what up with that anymore or whatever right and that was like his only character too well we we he also does um charles what joyce dewitt (laughs) but like again and i uh and again there's um I think we talked about this before we started recording, but he was in a bit uh, on the Cardi B episode where they were all looking at a deer and he's like, I don't see no deer. Like it was so like, I don't know, man, I'm fine with it. He, I think he is, he is the ultimate utility player. He can do so many different things and, and he's, he's uh, like, I don't know. He's just got a voice uh, uh, for it. So I'm fine with him. I agree with you. I don't know, man. Just bring back Pierre Escargot and we're good. I know it's exactly. I would if he could if he could do a couple of those old bits again. Like I would, I would, I would actually I have to go back and watch old episodes of uh, What Up with That again because that bit was really funny. But you're right. I mean, now again, that now that we're talking about it, just that was one of those reoccurring bits where it was just like, and this is coming off that slope of like you know Church Lady in Wayne's World where it's like it's a reoccurring bit, but it's like you couldn't actually build a movie out of this or even really kind of name the character like you know, but um. Right, no, but everybody player. know you know what up with that. Oh yeah, yeah of course. You know Saturday Live, yeah. You know, yeah, you, you know yeah. that, yeah. Um so featured players, 
Uh, new cast member this year, Marcelo Hernandez. Uh, big fan. Uh, I think he's really funny. Uh, I so. think they're. All, I think all of these featured players are very good. Well, let's just um, say it right now. Yeah, every everyone we're about to list, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. I think James Austin Johnson is 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 uh, looks like a straight man, but is almost as weird as a dude, guy like he, Aristotle. And he's Tari. the new Daryl Hammond. Oh like, yeah, he's just he just mm-hmm. sneaks into the background, but like he when he goes in for the kill, you're dead. <laughs> like he's so good. Yeah. Oh, like I said, I mean the. Uh, the uh, his when he they do that little um, free association word board when he starts speaking as Trump, and he starts connecting like that's yes. just really funny and it's a it's a it's a great way to frame Trump that that is a caricature of him that is not just a direct like hey this guy said something stupid or weird or whatever. Um, I think Molly Kearney is um, hilarious. I know she hasn't. <laughs> so, I know they haven't so, done a lot, but but I will say this. I think one of the funniest bits I have seen all season is, uh, I believe it's the Cardi B episode. Let me check my notes. Uh, no, it's Brendan Gleeson. Uh, uh, when, the Putin uh, Molly, one? The what? The Putin one? Yeah, yeah, the one where uh, Molly Kearney gets uh, uh, um, recruited by the CIA. Uh, it's like a, Dude, that, I was that gonna is, bring that up. That is that is one the of the funniest fucking bits. <laughs> Make sure pack, pack, have your bags packed, and I'm like packed with what? Just, just, just her, their, their delivery is so great, and it snowballs, and like Lauren's involved, <laughs> and they're going right. on a mission for Lauren and working for Pooh. It, it was just so great, and they've been compared to like ripping off Chris Farley and things like that, and it's like get fucked. First of all, get fucked, yes, but how do you not? Like Chris Farley was inspired yeah. so many yeah, and people. Also, they're they're younger than me. They're from Chicago. Like, yes, they're going to be inspired by people that came before them. Of course. Yeah, it's it's like saying like yeah, like yeah, be, and also by the way, being compared to Chris Farley, that's a that's a it's a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing, right? Like derivative for, for the most Chris, part. Yeah. Derivative, yeah, well, of course. Of of course. In terms of being funny, yes. <laughs> And, and yeah, but like yeah, it, in terms of being derivative of, of of Chris Farley, absolutely get fucked. Um, and and I want to say that one of the things I really really liked about that bit is that it had a, a really good button for the ending. Again, Keenan Thompson just coming in at the last second, pulling up a gun with a silencer. I got a taste for it now. Really great way to end it. And also, I think because Molly Kearney is uh, the first non-binary cast member of SNL, I think throwing that little joke in there was oh, yeah. a great way to, to highlight actually, it. But what was she like? Actually, it's they. It's actually they, but I didn't really feel like that was the right point to bring it up. It's just really, <laughs> really honestly funny stuff. Honestly, honestly funny stuff. Uh, and, and the way they start to weave in the other uh, cast members, like Molly sends his text message saying, I have to kill. And it's like, don't put your, that kind of pressure on yourself. Just <laughs> tremendous, tremendous writing. Just a real big fan. And, you know, and I know a lot of people say like, oh, Saturday Night Live isn't funny anymore. But it's like, look, I'm good if... if 25 to 30 percent of every show is funny yeah this stuff gets done every week like not every sketch is going to hit every i mean they've they've always done it but it seems more obvious now that there's a lot of product placement like there's at least one skit per show that's just shilling for a brand and most of the time they shit on them like the arby's commercial they're shitting all over arby's but guess what we're talking about arby's right now 
Which um, is also which is also the Arby's commercial, also one of my favorite sketches of uh, of the season. But we'll, it was actually pretty it. funny. It's like, how is it so cheap? Just tell us. No, I, well, I think it's what I think works about, it, and I, I want to get into it later. But what I think works about it is because it requires so much. It requires a lot of like quick cutting and and edits, and and it it obviously comedy comedy is timing, but like everything worked out so well in that sketch and, and it progresses really well. Like when, when again, Keenan Thompson comes out as Ving Rhames and goes, we have the Rhames. It's just a really <laughs> great way to keep escalating the bit and making it crazier. Um, yeah, I think it's really funny, but um, yeah, they're all, they're all great. Michael Longfellow is tremendous. Uh, he's uh, a, he's Sherm- a new Pete Davidson. Cause on weekend update, at, he shines as himself oh, as right. a, yeah. you know, a, a caricature of himself. Yeah. But Sarah, yeah, I think he he was very funny, and, and Sarah Sherman is just like the best. My she's my she's Melissa Villasenor and Kyle Mooney rolled in one. She is yeah, she is wild. she is like she is like they hired an actual garbage pail kid. <laughs> that's that's what it's like, and I mean that in the best. I mean she's I I don't. No, but honestly, she's like, she's like she is the cast member for the TikTok generation. I I there's I don't think there's anybody on the show. I'm more excited to see than Sarah Sherman. Well, that's Sarah how Sher- I was with Kyle Mooney. And right, yeah. like it just didn't pan out. Like he just De- didn't catch on. And Devin Walker, I think, uh, uh, has a lot of great energy. But again, I think he's one of those guys uh, uh, that, that fits perfectly. Man. Yeah, no, he fits perfectly on the show. I, he, I think he just, um, I, I, want to see more bits where he's the centerpiece, right? Like I want right, to see the, right. you know, cause there, there are bits like where you can go, like when Sarah Sherman writes a bit, you're like, okay, I, I know you wrote this. And you know, what's right? crazy too. Like when Mikey day and Alex Moffat, when they were featured players, they were in almost every fucking skit on the show. And they were the yeah. center of attention all the time. It's just, it's really interesting to see how, where some, um, some players fall. So yeah, I mean, I think the cast is is really good, and um, and again, I think in the face of losing uh, just a ton of really talented players, I think they've done a good job of um, of, uh, of 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 patching up those you know losses and stuff like that. I think it's a good team. Um, I'll say this, and, and just before we get into like the the individual episodes and talk a little bit about the hosts and, and the musical guests and stuff, um, I do want to say I I think one of the things that I've noticed recently where Saturday Night Live really succeeds is when they are not doing uh, contemporary bits, right? I, I think one of the weakest... Yeah. One of the weakest pieces that I've seen this season was the uh, Try Guys sketch. That was that was very bad. Uh, uh, um, allergically unfunny. Uh, just <laughs> yeah. And, and, and not, not funny at the time... And and definitely, definitely now watching it again, like a couple of months past, like just absolute zero. That just that was a skit that was directed at a very specific audience at a very specific moment in time. That by the time it aired, that audience had moved on well, because they didn't care anymore. Well, well, right, and I think this is the problem with a lot of uh, the the political stuff that they do, like well, a lot of the Trump things, where it's like, well, this happened during the week. So Saturday Night Live has to comment on it. And it's like, no, yeah, I mean, it, it got how about, headlines, how, it got ratings. I understand, but it doesn't hold up. 
Well, right, and it's also not. It's also not no, like like no, and like even the Try Guys bit itself really didn't get ratings because like it didn't really have anything to say other than oh Saturday Night Live did a bit on it. But like no, but like, here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing. Uh, would now now that they put individual skits. They put it on YouTube as a skit. They'll put it on TikTok. They'll put it on Instagram. They'll put it across social media. Right. So it might not do well, but hey, if that TikTok gets a million views, sure, that's a lot of advertising money. Yeah, I, so. I get it. But but I but it's like but I think as you were saying with like do do an Arby's commercial, right? Like the the real writing, like the real funny stuff comes from like Molly. I'm going to assume Molly Kearney like was spearheaded the bit. But like, hey, like, let's do a skit where it's like the new writers, like, how are the new cast members getting in? But I actually have to kill Vladimir Putin or whatever. Like, yeah. that's just that's a great bit. It has no no political, even though it's it's Putin. It's it's not like based on any kind of contemporary thing that you some news item that you had to see during the week or whatever. Yeah, like, I thought you meant the Arby's of, thing. Like the the product placement can get cringy. And in the case of Arby's, it worked. But I think the reason why it worked is because you were given a restriction, right? Like you're putting in these roadblocks, like here's a skit. It's, but it's for Arby's. You have to do this and like, you can't, I'm sure that they couldn't do other things, right? It's the same thing, like unrelated to comedy, but like when you're playing magic, like there's rules to magic, the gathering that you have to follow. But then there's different formats with other restrictions. And you can say, well, how come restrictions are fun? It's because you have to figure out the puzzle. Like you have to make the deck work around this restriction. And it's the same with writing. Like make this skit work with this. Without pissing off the obstacle. Yeah, with this obstacle you have to overcome. And because you can't go straight to the end going around it there's different ways to go around it which path is funnier maybe you'll find a new path you didn't know before yeah agreed agreed um but let's get to the right, episodes so though yeah, i mean we're not going to break down every single episode and every single no, skit but no. um season but we'll, kicked we'll, off with uh miles teller as the host and kendrick lamar as the musical guest um, I thought it was a well-rounded episode. I thought he was a decent host. He clearly loved SNL and wanted to be there. And I think Kendrick Lamar, I watched both of his performances and they were both very good. Yeah. Um, I think that's, so that was sort of the thing like them starting off with Kendrick, obviously super strong choice. Um, you know, there's a, a big thing for me. I'll, I'll jump right to Kendrick. Um, the, uh, the, the musical performances on Saturday Night Live are, are always either we're trying to do a performance and that is the centerpiece or we are just trying to do the music, right? And like later on, like when Jack Harlow was like host and musical host, you can tell like, this is just straight up, we're just doing a performance. And um, that I think is the best thing about Kendrick was just like he's he's there. A lot of it is just him on screen rapping. And it's like that, I think is what makes it such a good performance. Because but it was also to... visually stunning the way they had it set up. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah and of, I want to take away from it. I'm reminded right, of there? when Billie Eilish was the musical guest and she was on that spinning cube thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I mean, you know, the studio is small. Like I've gone on a tour of uh, NBC and I was actually in eight H oh, which was, I didn't see anything. It was, it was in 2003, the week that Dan Aykroyd and Beyonce <laughs> Or on the show. Holy um, shit. And just, but just being in that room was like, it was like my fucking Mecca. It yeah, is yeah. way smaller than I you bet. think it is. It is tiny. So to pull yeah. off anything, any kind of visual right. spectacle on a third, because there's, there's three areas and then they stage some stuff on the floor too. But like the musical act is done 
pretty much on the same area that the opening monologue stage is. It's very small. That's wild. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Kendrick was amazing. I do want to say the one thing about Miles Teller's episode. Um, I thought that um, the opening, uh, the uh, opening, the cold open was incredible. Uh, it was a really, really good way to start off the season and to, and especially to me, I, obviously I've, I've kind of made note that like, I think they're, can their uh, uh, need to be contemporary kind of hurts them making fun of that in the opening. Was that, a, was like, that the football one? Yeah. It was where uh, miles Teller played Peyton Manning and yeah, I see, I don't follow football. So to me, a lot of that just fell flat. Well, yeah, I think it's, but I, I think in, in terms of like them, well, again, kind of what we're doing is kind of like rating, like, uh, you know, ed- estimating everyone's performance in, in, a, in right, a, right. a sports like way I thought was, was, a, was very clever. And a great way to introduce the show because, again, it's kind of like an elephant in the room. There's been a lot of cast shakeup. So to make that the focal point of your first sketch, I think, was, was pretty smart on their part. But other than that, yeah, like there, I don't think there was anything that really stood out to me. Uh, again, I'll say I'll agree with you. It was a well-rounded show. Um, Brendan Gleeson. I didn't, I've seen this guy before. I didn't know his name. So when they're like, he's hosting an episode, I'm like, who the fuck is this jabroni? Um, and not only You've was never seen great, him bruise or anything? or. I didn't know his name. I've seen him, but I didn't know his name. Um, so when I Googled him, I'm like, okay, I know this guy. Uh, dude, that, <laughs> that please don't destroy bit was so fucking good. Where, <laughs> where he's clearly like a 60 something year old man, but he pretends to go to high school and, <laughs> and he befriends these young boys who are like, wait a second, you're old. <laughs> yep. Yep. A great bit. So silly. So I was silly. also. I was also a really big fan of, um, no, and I wouldn't say a really big fan, um, the, um, the, so you think you won't snap bit in the beginning. Um, they, they, they did, they did enough stuff, uh, to, to keep it interesting. And again, I think Bowen Yang did a really good job as, as the host of the, uh, the cold open. So I thought that was good. Um, the Brendan Gleeson episode was also the, the try guys bit. And I thought that was again, one of the worst parts of the yeah. show, but also but, but he had was... the, the, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying he was a really good host. Like he did yeah. everything a host is supposed to do and he had fun doing it. And you can tell. Yeah. And, um, and you could tell even during his opening monologue, when some of the, uh, the, uh, the jokes didn't land, he, he didn't let it get to him. Um, right. you know, and, and again, it wasn't that they weren't funny. It's just that I, I think it, it's difficult for the audience because you, you don't know what you're going to get, um, with your opening monologue. And it, so they kind of have to play catch up for a little bit. And, uh, you know, doing these kind of weird little punny jokes while playing a ukulele is maybe not what they're expecting, but I thought it worked. And again, he handled it really well. And also like the other headshot sketch was really good. Um, and then, you know, also the Molly Kearney bit was, was that episode, which was great. The Sarah Sherman googly eyes bit, uh, which I thought was great was that episode. And then they did the, um, uh, another thing that I think is very funny. They did the, uh, the, the, uh, Chloe Feynman as, uh. Uh, as Marilyn Monroe and uh, and then Brendan Gleeson and uh, uh, Heidi Gardner oh, yeah. come in to read the letters and Brendan Gleeson just as playing a woman with a full on beard and I, I just <laughs> I, I just think that's really funny you know what I mean is it nice for, is it nice yeah all the way through yeah okay go ahead read it Marilyn you're a whore <laughs> like, it's, just, it's funny it's like it was a, it was a good bit and yeah I think you're right he was um, he was game for anything and um, and uh, yeah it was it was a good episode it was it was a good episode um, all right so here third is Megan Megan the stallion here's the deal 
I watched the monologue for Megan the Stallion and Jack Harlow and did not watch the rest of the episode. I don't know why. I don't have a reason why, but they were both really bad monologues. Like, so just I, pain, I wanna, painfully bad. Okay, so I want to. I want to. I want to take that and I want to. I want to pin it to the board for a minute because I want to get back to that later when we talk about my favorite episode of the season. Um, okay. I want to want to talk about how. I qualify and kind of classify my monologues. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say that they were hilarious or whatever. I agree. But I will say what you missed, um, again, I uh, uh, there's um, we talked about it earlier. There's a, a, a bit in the Megan the Sound episode where uh, uh, Keenan Thompson is trying to see a deer that everyone's pointing at, which I think is a really funny bit. They also did a bit um, called uh, Hot Girl Hospital. It was like the lead bit after the the monologue, right? And it was like they don't. It was like a hospital where they just like turn women into baddies. And it was a really, really funny bit. And it gave Punky Johnson and Ego Nuotum a chance to shine. And and uh, of course, like it was a perfect fit for Cardi B. So she was really funny in it as well. Megan the Stallion. They, Megan the Stallion. I'm sorry, Jesus. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, there, uh, I mean, quite. I've watched the WAP video a million times. Music. I apologize. I get them. I, I get them. I, you know, I've watched the WAP video a million times. I apologize. Um, <laughs> The, uh, but they also did a song in that episode called You Got Brought, uh, which kind of, I feel it was like Bowen Yang's thing. And it was about like, uh, you know, like uh, three like couples go out and they meet up with friends and like they leave the three random people by themselves. It was a really funny, really funny song. And of course, uh, uh, Megan Thee Stallion was part of that as well. So I think that was a, it was a decent episode um, in terms of maybe not one of the best, but also not, not as bad as some of the episodes that are coming up later. Um, and of course, after... Megan the Stallion is Jack Harlow, who again uh, was a uh, host and musical host, which it seems they're doing that a lot more frequently now, or they're less afraid to do that. Um, I think just when and, they get a music person to host that uh, they just, they're there. So why right. not? Sometimes the musical person hosts and there's another musical guest. I've seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this about the Harlow yeah. monologue. Good, good, good jokes, but bad delivery. Yeah. The only um, thing know. I even know about Jack Harlow is that he was on the packaging of KFC one time that I got it. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, what's a Jack um, Harlow meal? The the one the one notable takeaway for me from um or I'm sorry, there were two notable things about the Jack Harlow episode. They did a um and again, I think this is where they they kind of win doing contemporary stuff. Um, because this had a really good angle to it, is they did a um a Skechers commercial. And it was like Skechers advertising the fact that they said no to Kanye West. Um, When he, yeah, and it was really they were just kind of like, yeah, could you like, like just like them like patting themselves on the back so hard that they were advertising. I thought was very funny. Um, And then they did a sketch later on that I thought was great, where um, it was like um, it was like an AA meeting, and uh, Jack Harlow doesn't want to talk about how he relapsed. He wants to talk about his idea for a Pixar movie. Where like uh, it's about lost <laughs> luggage trying to find their way home, and then of course like everybody in the everybody in the uh, uh, everybody in the meeting has like something to add. He's like, "You're you're in the movie," and then Cecily Strong is like, "You need a song," and he's like, "What?" He's like, "You know, a song for them to sing at the Oscars," and he's like, "Oh, okay," and he's like, "Do you have anything?" And she's like, "Well," and they just roll a piano in in front of her. <laughs> it's really good. But like, yeah, that was it, and and he didn't really bring much to the show, so he was a bummer. Yeah, um, did you? kind of did you watch the amy schumer episode i actually watched none of it and i'm not one of those people that's like amy schumer isn't funny i think she's funny i've actually seen her perform it was at a comedy festival so i didn't go for her but like 
I think she's fine. Um, her show is pretty funny. I think it came back. I haven't watched it. But no, I actually just, this is the last episode of the season that I didn't watch anything of. Um, so yeah, again, and again, I, I want to talk a little bit about mo- opening monologues in a little bit, but I don't have any problem with Amy Schumer. Um, <laughs> her, her monologue had a couple of really good jokes, um, but it also, I don't know, man, I'm not, and I'm not super familiar with all of her work, but it, it kind of feels like some of the jokes felt like an earlier version of Amy Schumer that was a little bit maybe more on the edge. And some of the jokes felt like the new Amy Schumer, which is kind of like a little less. I'm a, I'm a mom. I, I don't want to say that, but like, just, <laughs> no, I don't know. I felt like it was a mix of both. And the parts that really made me laugh were the parts where she wasn't afraid to like go a little bit overboard or go a little, uh, go a little, a little bit more blue. And you know, I don't even know like, who's, who is Steve Lacey. I've never even heard that. name. I, I honestly, I watched the performance. He was fine. I, I'm, I'm unfortunately not really familiar either. Um, but they, I wasn't, wasn't bad. It just, yeah. Um, but the Amy Schumer episode didn't really have a huge, a lot of takeaways. This is where I kind of stopped kind of going through my review specifically. Like I, I yeah, that's ran out of time. But um, so after so, that, I think is Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, um, I was going to not watch this episode at all because he's a transphobe and he's given a huge stage to spew his hate. And mm-hmm. they, the last two times they put him on were after like big elections, like the week after. And they did this again. They did this after the midterm. So they're like, let's get Dave mm-hmm. Chappelle on here because he's going to be poignant and make people laugh. But also in the midst of him uh, being canceled, which he wasn't because canceling isn't real. If you're hosting <laughs> Saturday Night Live, you are not canceled. You have yeah, a I- microphone bigger than everybody in the fucking world will ever have. And yeah. I, so... After it aired the next day, I was like, I just want to see the monologue more out of curiosity. And he gets on there and he does this thing. He lights a cigarette because he's the only person in America that's allowed to smoke indoors now. And uh, because he's canceled, that's why he can get away with things. Which like is that. the which is the uh, the the equivalent of like <laughs> someone like Steven Crowder wearing holsters when he does his little YouTube show. You know yeah, what I mean? It yeah, is the exactly. it is the lamest. It is the the lamest I'm a bad boy. I don't give a fuck kind of thing. Like it's it's, right. It is, it is Andrew Dice clay levels of cringe. And, and you know, before I say what I'm going to say, Dave Chappelle is an amazing comedian. He's fucking great. So is Louis CK. And I can't fucking watch that guy, even his old stuff at all anymore. Yeah. Um, Agreed. It doesn't, it doesn't mean he's not funny. Um, Another guy, another guy who uh, was another guy, Louis CK, another guy who was canceled and also won a Grammy this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? So, and he sold out Madison Square Garden two weeks oh, ago. Oh, that was it. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. That was it. Yes. Yeah. So Dave Chappelle gets on there and he says all his politics stuff. He mentions the transphobe stuff. And then the thing is that he didn't go on there and apologize. I didn't expect him to. He didn't downplay it. Not only did he double down on it, he then doubled down on Kanye being an anti-Semite, which he didn't need to even address at all. Right. Um, so after that, I was like, super fuck Dave Chappelle. And I'm not watching the rest of this episode. It's not like SNL needs my fucking YouTube view to make their money. But I, yeah. I have this a is, very hard time separating art from the artist when I know the artist is a bad person. So it, it's really funny. There's a, a YouTube channel I watch and they just, they just discussed this in, in light of the a recent Justin Roiland, um, uh, 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 drama or, or uh, controversy or whatever. And um, 
you know, they, they talk about something like um, a guy like uh, uh, Roman Polanski or, or let's say uh, uh, Kevin Spacey maybe is a better example, right? Like um, there's an argument to be made. And of course, I think all of this stuff is subjective. And if you're not comfortable doing that, right, like I, I think you should be able to, again, you can engage, separate art from the artist. But I think that in the example where the artist's intentions or the artist's uh, 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 problems bleeds through into the art. That is yeah. when you have a problem. And I think a great example of that is Woody Allen. Woody Allen is an example of like a, a very uh, uh, a person who's, who's got a litany of sex, <laughs> sexual abuse allegations against him, everything ranging from pedophilia to grooming, all this stuff. And a lot of his movies are about an older guy trying to sleep with yes. much younger women. And that is uh, not cool. But, you know, yeah, you know, I, mean, you, I mean, like you can look at a Hitler painting and be like, oh, wow, that's a good painting, not knowing who did it. And then you find out and you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. But he's right. not he's not, you know, painting bodies burning or in a gas right. chamber. Um, right. But exactly. with comedy, comedy is very personal and, and music for the most part is personal too. there you um, go. Movies, same thing. So when you mm-hmm. have when your whole shtick is defending reprehensible things you've said. I can't be a part of your shtick because I don't support you in mm-hmm. the words that you say. Um, yeah. And also I, I've heard things like he's like blackmailed the town that he lives in. Like he's donated money oh. and shit to them. And like, mm-hmm. I, like, I've just heard all this other terrible stuff about him. Like it's, he's just a bad person. So, so what has happened is uh, I, and I've seen the video. Um, he is at a, a town council meeting. Uh, it's what they call a uh, NIMBY, not in my backyard. He was a, a, a opposing, uh, low-income housing being uh, erected in his uh, zip code or in his neighborhood because it would devalue his property. And he was threatening to pull his investments from the community if they built the low-income housing. Um, because uh, that is, to me, someone who has uh, as, uh, as, uh, <laughs> become uh, uh, warped by their, their wealth and their fame. Anyway, I don't want to yeah. spend too much more time on it. Uh, no, my no notes, me either. My, my notes are this. Um, and, in, and in regards to your... Um, uh, you know, th- that they're funny. He was a very funny person. But uh, now I think uh, uh, he looks like shit. He sounds like shit, which isn't rele- relevant to how funny he is. But but, but also, he, the we one- mentioned before, like, the you have the first non-binary cast member. And then you have Dave Chappelle hosting it. That's a huge fuck you to her, to them. Um, well, yes. And that was what I wanted to get to, is that this is the, the hardest problem that I have. Because they have done this for years. They had Trump on uh, not that long ago. I think in 2015 they had Trump on. Yep. And they've had Andrew Dice Clay. Elon and Musk all, last year. They had Elon yeah. Musk. And it's just like, and and I want to be clear that like, you know, fuck, fuck Lauren Michaels for having these people on. I don't blame the cast members. And at the end of the day, I am there to see comedians do sketches. Um, I'm not going to boycott a show like SNL. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't watch uh, uh, most of the Chappelle sketches either. Um, I scrubbed through a couple of them, and I just. I again, like, I don't think sketches are his strong suit anymore. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have Neil Brennan as a writing partner, so it seems like stand-up is the way to go. And it's very clear what he's how he's going to make his money on stand-up for now. So fuck him forever. Um, so yes. yeah, it is. It is the most difficult part of watching a show like this is knowing that from time to time they will bring on these, these fucking guests. And I, you know, um, and if anything, it's like, I, I applaud the chance to get up and, and say, fuck you to Lauren Michaels for allowing to have, uh, an asshole like Chappelle on the show. Um, but anyway, moving, moving past that, uh, um, I think we get Kiki to Palmer, um, the, the best who... ep- 
Go ahead. Oh, this is this is the best episode to you? This is the best episode of the season, hands down. I would agree with you. Uh, Kiki Palmer is somebody whose name I've heard, not familiar with any of her work. But she came out there, killed the monologue, definitely wanted to be there, was having fun. I mean, she brought back uh, Keenan and Kel. I forgot what Keenan and Kelly was it. That so, was that was okay. great. It was nostalgic as hell. And then watching the behind the scenes of it, like they made, <laughs> they reproduced that show in like a day. So, so this is what I want to talk about with opening monologues, because uh, Kiki Palmer's opening monologue uh, is one of is the best of the season, and perhaps maybe one of the best of all time. And this is how I classify it is I think that when you, there's three types of monologues as I see it. And the, the middle group is very wide, but then the top and the bottom are very specific. The top is standups. If you have a standup hosting yep. the show, the opening You're having monologue, like a 15 minute monologue that they wrote. Yep. It, this, this opening monologue should be a, a straight, fire this is a stand-up who has an audience that people that wants to be there they are in their element they have done live comedy before this even if they're bad at sketches man that opening monologue should just be straight fucking fire and i don't think it's fair to compare anybody else to stand-ups when they get to do their opening monologue right right and, and then at the bottom you have people who specifically are either not celebrities or specifically do not do comedy. And those are like your sports stars and politicians, things like politicians and, and people like Megan, the stallion and Jack Harlow, where like, this is not their forte. Are they on stage? Yes. Yeah, dude. but, But then you have some musicians that kill it. Well, actually I'm thinking about like, I remember Ariana Grande was very good surprisingly, but I think she started out as an actress. So maybe I'm wrong. But, but again, you know, however, I mean like, uh, but yeah, but I think also like, you know, Justin Timberlake is one of those people. Like I remember, I think what really kind of turned me on to Justin Timberlake was seeing him do comedy and you realize, Oh, this guy is a performer. He is not just a singer or something. And that's, and, and I think a really good example of that was like last season when Lizzo hosted and did the musical. And I think she was tremendous, right? Because it was just like, whether she flubbed her lines or the joke didn't like, like there's just no, there's no dulling that level of like, just like, uh, exuberance. Right. So she's just having a fucking blast. So it was just, it was, that was a great episode, but yeah. So again, like Megan, the stallion, like, yeah, again, not a great opening monologue, but I think did the best she could with what she had. You know what I mean? And in terms of like ranking them in that, like least expectations kind of tier, I didn't, I didn't think it was like, like Jack Harlow again, like didn't really have the delivery at all, but he was letting them write jokes that really made fun of him. And I think that's always a good sign. Like he was willing to go up there and like take a lot of shots at himself. So, but, um, and then you have the, the middle, the middle, right. Which is like everybody else, like your Brendan Gleeson's, uh, your Austin Butler's people who have done live stage stuff or have, or have been a celebrity or have talked to crowds or have done comedy or whatever. And I think that's like the biggest, you know, you have like everyone from like, you know, uh, uh, Tom Hanks to like Robert De Niro, right? Like the best and kind of the worst. And I think out of that group, I think Kiki Palmer just, man, amazing. Just like she, like it was like her tenth time hosting, you know. And yeah, and not yeah. and not only Super that, comfortable. yeah, and not only that to do a fucking pregnancy reveal, like just yep. a- absolutely tremendous, like just a jaw dropping joke. And then to follow it up with like, a, I'm trying to get this liquor sponsorship. You know what I mean, like. Fucking shit, just really, really funny, and 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 uh, I, I mean, that that episode, I think, um, just like right down the line, just uh, just slaughtered everything. Uh, I mean, um, 
the ladies fighting bit uh, was tremendously funny because again, it's one of those bits that works because it's kind of ham fistedly done. You know what I mean? Uh, like it's, it's very clearly they're stunt performers. Right. Um, uh, the, the big boy song I think was really funny with Sia, the Drake hotline sketch, really funny. The hello kitty sketch is really funny. And again, all of these sketches, not relating to like a hot news item that happened that week. Right, like the, no, Hello, the, Kitty the Sk- Hello Kitty one was actually pretty good. At first, it was pretty dumb, but they they, they got, actually. I think it's one of the few times when SNL of recent years has resolved the skit and the ending was fine. Well, yeah, it just it got progressively worse. It's like, what race is she? <laughs> it's like what? It's like yeah, this is really funny and. Um, and then, um, of course, as you said, the 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 Good Burgers sketch or uh, uh, Keenan and Kelly, yeah. the Keenan and Kelly sketch, that was yeah. just pure nostalgia okay. for me. So but it was the... actually funny because Kel shows up and he gets shot. <laughs> so here's the thing: uh, I have never seen that show. You're a little bit older than me, so yeah. I know, if you I were know. watching so, like, it, I'd be like, "That's kind of weird." I was watching it like I don't get any of these jokes but i i do understand why it's fun you know what i mean so right, uh, right but everyone tells me that this sketch is amazing and i'm willing to believe it um and then of course uh the rb sketch which again i think is one of probably one of my favorite sketches just, oh that was just this be- episode that was that episode yeah um oh wow yeah it was, it was, it was really great and then um, honestly dude steve martin and martin short your expectations are set through the roof and I feel like this episode, they didn't reach those. Uh, I, I was just underwhelmed by most of the episode. Yeah. Uh, like, it was fine. I think it was, a, it was a fine episode. Like, they did the Father of the Bride skit. Um, this is, I think this is the one where Sarah Sherman's father showed up in that Please Don't Destroy skit. Yep, I think and, you're right. And then there was like that one skit where Ebenezer Scrooge is throwing coins out the window and like killing people. And I was like, I, I get it, <laughs> but it's, it just wasn't that funny. I don't know. I just feel like Steve Martin and Martin Short are so good alone. And then together, like they have a special on Netflix together, which is fucking incredible. And I was just expecting more of that and I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't have too many takeaways. Um, yeah, yeah, it just kind of, uh, it was, um, well, and you know, that's the other thing that's so interesting is I've seen a couple episodes of only murders in the building and there's a bit when, um, uh, when Selena Gomez comes on the opening monologue and really like you kind of realize how the dynamic changes when she's around. Um, yeah. and, and maybe, maybe that's just it. I mean, maybe, and also like these, like these are two guys who have been some of the funniest people in the world for like half a century. Right. So like, I don't know, man. Yeah, but I I agree they do they do they did fall kind of short, um, and also I I kind of felt the same way about Austin Butler. Um, you know the the landmark here was that it was Cecily Strong's last episode. Uh, and, yeah, uh, you know, it's very to do forgettable. On, on Weekend Update, Skate. which was very sad and um, very maudlin. But um, but that Austin Butler dude is um, he's a weird looking guy. Did you see Elvis? <laughs> I did not see that. No, I'm not a big Baz Luhrmann fan. I watched it. When, I watched it when I was at work. It, it was okay. Uh, but yeah, he's, uh, I think he's in the new Dune, uh, the, the Dune sequel. I think he's playing, uh, Fade Routha, but, uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I don't know. He, he's a, he's like an interesting dude, but just, um, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a nothing episode. And honestly, I kind of felt the same way about the Aubrey Plaza episode. 
Um, yeah, I think I, that she was good. Like her monologue right. was good. I, I liked She's her appearance funny. on Weekend Update. Um, and again, SNL only shines light on liberals. <laughs> President Joe Biden shows up in the monologue. Of course, SNL would have him on. Oh yeah, of course. They, they would never they would have, like, have president. They would never have president. president Joe Biden host the. They would never have a right wing person on at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but yeah, the, I the think one, the next, like the next couple are kind of the same. Like Michael B. Jordan, he was good. Well, hold on. I want to go back. I want to go back real quick. I want to go back real quick to Abby Plaza. The one, the one big standout to me was, uh, the first Sam Smith performance. And, and as we I said, actually didn't watch it. And oh, I, I kind of like that song on Holy. It's a, it's a bop. It, it, it's on, it's on my, my current playlist and, and, and I heard it before, but this is the first time. So what ended up happening was I was, uh, uh I was feeding miles so I was kind of just like, you know, trapped on my couch, you know, mid mid four ounce bottle or whatever. And Saturday Live was on. And a lot of the times, like, I'm just trying to get to the sketches. And I'm like, I, I know of Sam Smith, but I'm like, not really interested. But like the remote was too far away. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to watch the <laughs> musical performance. And it's yeah. really, it's, and again, it's one of those things where the song is, is fine, but the performance was really good. And I don't want to ruin it for you. I'll go. And, um, I'll go back and watch it. Probably, but he's wearing this really gigantic pink frilly dress thing, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, this is like pretty neat. It's like it's pretty wild." And um, and again, I'll, I'll let you watch it. And anyone else hasn't seen it, you can just YouTube it. Just type in Sam Smith SNL. It'll be the first thing that comes up. But um, yeah. But anyway, I thought it was it was really good in that. And, and like, I immediately added the song to my playlist after that. So, um, yeah, I, that was that was one of the takeaways from the Aubrey Plaza episode. Apologies. Moving on to Michael B. Jordan. No, I mean, he did fine. Like, I, again, like a strong monologue, strong yeah. host, but yeah, yeah. it was just, it was just an episode. Well, the, uh, the, 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 the sketch for me in the Michael B. Jordan episode is the Shara Sherman, uh, bit where, um, uh, she was on the roller coaster for 19 hours. Uh, and I'm not sure if you saw that. I don't not. remember that. Maybe I, I missed it. Yeah, that's that is the that's the. I sketch. thought I watched the whole episode. Yeah, I'll you have to watch. There's watch a it. there's a thing where she's pouring like chunky ass soup into Michael B. Jordan's like stretched open mouth cavity, and it just it looks dangerous. Like you're just afraid that they're gonna choke. Uh, <laughs> and at the one point, Sarah Sherman's trying to deliver a line, and she's going <coughs> like that. This is fucking hilarious. Um, so that's that's the takeaway for me from the Michael B. Jordan episode. Um, uh, Pedro Pascal, I thought, was a very good host. Yeah, um, I think and a lot of the skits were very funny. And I think that it's because he was he was really into it and he did well and wasn't afraid to make fun of himself. Uh, definitely right now, second best host, second best episode of the season. Again, consistently yeah. funny bits. The uh, TikTok fan cam thing was really funny. Um, the the Everyone's talking about the Mario Kart Last of Us thing. And it's like, you know... Yeah, it's funny. It does feel like um, it, it's kind of like um, a formula where it's like, hey, let's just do Joker, but it's Oscar the but Grouch. But Oscar the Grouch. I, it's yeah, like, but I like that. I like yeah, both of those. I'm, yeah, I mean, I realize that it's a formula, but it's still funny, you know, like, um, uh, yeah. I think one of the best skits that season is when he wakes up with amnesia and he, he's talking all weird. Yes, I yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I I did I did really like that bit a lot, and that and I think the the thing about it is, and the reason Pedro Pascal was such a good host was that it really relied on him selling the bit. Like it it's 
it's not immediately clear that it's going to be as funny as it is. Like when he wakes up, it's just, you don't know if he's doing a voice like, or if that's just the character, but it really is. It's good. It's a really good bit. And I, how everyone, you will make me cry. And I never cry at the end. Like that's <laughs> really, really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's an okay season overall. I think it, it's an SNL season, but it's still, it's there's, they're missing something that hopefully the, the new cast in this rebuilding year will bring them. Well, I think we had a, we had a really, we've had some, we've had some low lows, like the Harlow Schumer Chappelle run is just, is pretty not great. Uh, and, and, uh, and then I think, you know, Kiki Palmer and, and Pedro Pascal, Michael B. Jordan, I think uh, we've had some real highs and we've had some real mid episodes. Again, I feel like this maybe was kind of the season we were all gritting our teeth, hoping like, Oh, like, this could just be a really shitty season uh, because, you know, who knows, like, who knows what the show looks like now with eight people leaving and only bringing four people back. But they're holding their own. I think, uh, you know, again, as we said, the, the the kids that are coming in are I'm a big fan of all of them. They haven't made any hires where I'm like, oh, like this just person just doesn't seem to work or whatever. But, um, you know, there's there's very few people on the cast that I feel like are I don't think there's any people on the cast that I don't feel have a, a place there. If anything, I feel that they're just underutilized. They're struggling to find their way in. Um, but there's less people, so hopefully, you know, more options. And I think we still have, like, like eight or nine episodes left. They usually do, like, I think, like, 20 or 21. Yeah, there's about 20. So, yeah, we do. I mean, the next three are Woody Harrelson, Travis Kelsey, whoever that is, and Jenna Ortega, which is, like, she's has, popular. Has now, that so. been Has that been confirmed? Yeah. Oh, okay. confirmed I, on their social media. Oh, okay, cool. Because, yeah, I, the only thing I saw confirmed when I did my research was Woody Harrelson and Jack White. Uh, with musical guests Jack White, Kelsey mm-hmm. Ballerini, and the 1975. So have you got some heavy hitters there. Have you seen uh, uh, Wednesday, Jeff? Oh, my wife has watched it like two or three times, and I hate every second that I have to watch it. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I, didn't, I haven't finished That's fine. it. A lot of people yeah. do. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. It's just not ha- for me. Did I, you- I loathe Tim Burton. And it's just not something that I would ever want to watch anyway. Oh yeah. As someone who, uh, who used to love Tim Burton and then has really kind of just like hated his work in the last couple of years. I think this is, he only does the first four episodes. Uh, but I think he, it's, it's like a, a perfect speed for him is TV. But anyway, uh, also, the only Tim Burton uh, general... I F with is, uh, Beetlejuice and Pee Wee's big adventure. <laughs> there's a couple and to others, an extent I... Batman, but like, there's a couple others I like, in there, kind of but, um, there's a couple others I like, but um, uh, have you seen the the remake of Scream that isn't very good? I did see that. Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, but she's also in that. And have you seen X? I have not seen X yet. It's something I want I, to watch. This, I did this... watch. I I did start to watch something with her because after Wednesday, my wife wanted to see something she was in. I forgot what it was, but it was one of the worst fucking movies I've ever. Oh, The Babysitter Killer Queen. It was so bad, and her performance was just unbelievably wait terrible. wait 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 hold um, on hold on hold on hold on hold on was that on netflix yeah hold on a second let me let me it's let a me sequel just... to something that, oh yeah yeah it. okay so and that, i'm like yeah. why are you gonna watch a sequel first and we started watching it and they catch up fine um like you already know what happens when you start to watch this yeah that. but it's like it's then, like, like it's like a comedy though i mean it's not like really yeah yeah movie. and like mick g directed it who's also just terrible um, no, the first one, I actually, I actually really, I actually watched the first one and I remember kind of like being fond of it. It was actually kind of like fun in like a, like a kind of, 
I don't know, like uh, PG thirteen ish kind of way or whatever. Maybe um, I'm just not not in it. But she shows up on the screen and gives this like monologue in front of a class, and it's so fucking cringy. And then she just like screams for no reason, and I, we were just like, okay. let's turn this off. We don't so, need to watch this anymore. So the funny thing was, is like, uh, um, I you know, I, like I, I'm I'm couch bound a lot now with a newborn, so like I have uh, a ton of uh, you know a ton of time to watch stuff. So like. Uh, one night I was up late with him, with Miles, and I was watching an episode of Wednesday with Jenna Ortega. And then the next day, I was trying to catch up on all of the 2022 movies that I hadn't seen yet. So I ended up watching X. And X is very, very good. I like it a lot. And Jenna Ortega is in it. And there's, like, uh, a sex scene with Jenna Ortega. And she doesn't, like, get nude or anything. But, like, it's, like, X is a sexy movie. And, like, Jenna Ortega's in it. And I'm just kind of like, oh, like, this is, like, a very weird jump from seeing Wednesday to going to this, right? I was just like, oh. Uh, and then I really liked X a lot. And then later that night, I put in the remake of Scream because again, another 2022 movie I wanted to catch up with, not knowing that Jenna Ortega was in it and then seeing her in the beginning and I'm like, like people, like <laughs> anybody who looks at my fucking search history or my watch history is going to be like, this guy's a weird <laughs> thing for Jenna Ortega. It's like, I don't. It's just a straight coincidence that I happen to watch three things in a row. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, that's that's that. That's an episode. It's, it's the longest episode of Go Jeff Yourself, so I'm glad you're still here with us. Everybody. Oh, you're chopping all this up, right? Like, we're, we're cutting this down to a, a tight 30, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely spend the time doing that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have a, a YouTube show that comes out every Thursday called So Discussions, where I talk about soda with my friend Dan, and we drink soda, too. We don't just talk about it. It's not like we're bringing soda there, looking at it and saying, let's talk about this soda and then not tasting it. But really, we don't really like most of the soda anyway. It's just the only time that I actually see him in person. It's an excuse to uh, remain friends. Um, so that's fun. Check that out. Ian, what are what are you doing? Just watching, uh, watching SNL? I'm watching SNL. Feeding babies overnight? I'm feeding babies. Uh, I'm writing comics. I'm editing comics. Uh, um, I'm... I'm you can hire me to make your comic script better. You can hire me as a story consultant. Um, you can hire me to help manage your Kickstarter campaign. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Ian underscore face. Um, you can go to my website, uh, uh, ianmondrick.com, and you can email me if you have any uh, inquiries about editing and stuff like that at ianmondrickwrites at uh, gmail. Very cool. Thank you very much. That's the end of the episode. We're ending it right here. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.